0: It's S-T-T-N-G's Not Another Star Trek Podcast, Season 2, Episode 17. Hey, let's watch Riker get to play captain. I showed you I was actually smarter after all. I'm, I'm Commander Riker, and I was actually smarter. Watch our counselor, she's counseling. She comes in and says great, she says it twice. He's in great danger, he's in great danger. And they're like, "Yeah, huh, no kidding. Watch our captain eat a sandwich? Picard acts like he's never eaten a sandwich in his life. And he's nibbling at it like a fucking hamster. Huh, well, all that, counselors, captains, and crusts, coming at you right about now. Welcome everybody to STTNG's, not another Star Trek Podcast! I'm Ambassador Andrew, and with me, as always, is everyone's favorite podcast friend... Commander Dave E. Dave! The E stands for Enthusiasm. Yay! Dave, I gotta tell you, I am not feeling as enthusiastic, because we just had an excellent episode. Cue Who? Introduction of the Borg. Really strong Q episode. A lot of great stuff going on. And now we have uh,
1: this. And this is a little episode called... Samaritan snare oh my god what do you think that means I was like what is this what is this and then when these aliens come on the sc- on the screen I remembered exactly what happens in this episode
0: actually I'm proud to say that I I remembered this episode more for the
1: shuttlecraft scenes in shuttlecraft we'll in shuttlecraft that was your song you wrote that one <laughs> I wrote that all by myself back in season one in one of our heavy shuttlecraft episodes. You know what I think would help
0: the Mm. listener? If they had some sense of what the episode is about, if only there were someone here
1: in the podcast Uh, who could summarize it for them. Andrew, can I do it this time, please? Picard and Wes are both due at Starbase 515. West for more Starfleet exams, and the captain for a medical procedure. He's too proud to have done on the Enterprise D. What? What could that be? Oh my God! Uh, Oh, Oh. (laughs) it says right here: a replacement of his artificial heart. Wait, Picard Uh has an artificial heart? Well. While he and Wes yeah. shuttle across the galaxy to their various appointments, Riker and company answer a mayday from a disabled ship crewed by a race who appear to be offensive stereotypes of people with intellectual disabilities. Riker assumes they are harmless and decides to send Geordie over by himself to help repair their systems. Oh, no. Naturally, they hold him hostage in an no. attempt to extort more tech upgrades from him and the Enterprise. Meanwhile, on Starbase 515, Picard's routine surgery goes cattywampus, and his only hope oh, nice. is Dr. Pulaski. But she's light years away on the Enterprise. Will Wes pass mm. his exams? Will Geordi get back safely to the Enterprise? Will Riker get that promotion to captain he was ducking only two episodes ago?
0: Bah, bah, bah.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Well, let's find out in this next exciting episode of STD and G's, not another Star Trek podcast. As we right. say, Jesus, what a terrible episode
1: this is! Holy mackerel! You know, I, you know what? I'm I'm just relieved right now that I'm done with the synopsis. You know, yeah. I, I I'm starting to get that feeling that athletes talk about sometimes when they when they when they do their run or they do their thing and it's over and they're just sitting on the bench going, whoop.
0: Wow. Runner's high. You got yeah, a runner's yeah.
1: high. You're getting endorphins. Oh, there's endorphins all over me. An
0: endorphin charge. I'm rotten with them. It's probably one, if not the worst episode of of season two, and it's so bad that they they even make excuses to try to cover up plot holes with dialogue.
1: Do they know? Because you know they're in production. It's going fast. There's all kinds of stuff at play behind the scenes that we don't know yes. about and true you just wonder if when they get one of these scripts it's just not as good as the last if they see it as like yeah we can work with it or if it's like oh my god this one I, I can't wait to get through this one it's gonna be terrible yeah or can they judge it i mean you, you always yeah. wonder
0: about that because when you hear people doing publicity for different shows and so on and they're like i just know this movie's gonna be a hit right and You're like no it's not a hit it terrible well and when when you think about the amount of work that goes into producing something like this they have to believe in these episodes
1: well just 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 on that note you know when people go out and do promotion for things it really irks me when you know i understand you can't see outside of it sometimes but when you're out there promoting a movie and it's about a year later and you can stand back from it and go wow man that thing kind of (laughs) stinks and listen it's so hard to make a movie that's just like even watchable so it's it's right. there's so many things at play and it's not easy but it really drives me nuts to th- when you see an actor promote something really hard and then they and then in an interview about a year later they kind of goof on the movie as being a stinker and whoa well, right, right, you know it right. it just it's like dude I paid for that movie because you were promoting it
0: and- <laughs> We 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 got to believe that that they believe in the episode, that they look at that script and think there's enough there. And I think there's a sort of well-meaningness to it. And, you know, when they're trying to create like, oh, you misunderstand the pack LEDs because of your arrogance. Because yes. there's a whole thread of arrogance through this particular episode, which makes no sense because we just had an episode where Picard had to banish his arrogance or learn the lesson like 18 crew members died because of his right. arrogance. So you would think that this would not be the case here, but guess what? Wa
1: wonk Sorry. I just went to eighteen funerals and I forgot all about it. <laughs> I have eighteen little holographic crystals right next to my Tasha, yaw. Uh Riker, Riker, how's the patchwork coming on decks eight through fourteen? Uh are you putting up that mural I wanted? How do you think they seal that crap up, anyways? Well, they take it to a starbase and they
0: just, you know, they get a core out somewhere and uh, slide it back in. I don't know. I mean, it's the ship is not like an IKEA thing or something like that. I mean, I, I imagine they have to do a lot of
1: welding. This is the uh, the Borg uh, corkscrewed out, uh, sampled out uh, section of the Enterprise last episode. The saucer section. Right, right, right. I saw what happened myself. I was not too alarmed. I don't know if you remember how unalarmed we are. <laughs> out of space now.
0: I don't know. understand this Picard mystery procedure thing first. I mean, it comes out of nowhere that he has an artificial right. heart. And we find out why he has an artificial heart, because he was screwing around when he was younger and got into a bar fight. Okay, fine. Right. Isn't that cute? And it will make a more interesting episode later on in a few seasons. It'll make an interesting episode called Tapestry. But for now, it's just kind of, you know, it's like, okay, he got stabbed in the heart. So he has a fake heart, but he doesn't want anyone to know because he's afraid it'll make him look
1: weak. I hope nobody knows. Listen, listen. Remember the episode when I became the cloud and then they rematerialized me back in the Enterprise?
0: Yeah, they couldn't just they couldn't just give him his regular heart back then.
1: Remember the episode where they do- the old doctor came back and she got older and then we brought her back and she was de-aged. Remember that? Well, I guess Does because- anybody remember
0: the goddamn pattern buffers? But the pattern buffer he had an artificial heart when they record the pattern, so mm. he
1: still has an artificial heart. The, I like the artificial heart and I like the way that he shares the information too, because he's hiding it for a long time. You know, at first it seems like He just needs to, you know, have a prostate exam or something because he's a little. Right. He's very sheepish about it. Right. And the doctor's like, you know, I can do that procedure here. No problem. And he's like, I just don't feel comfortable doing that with you, doctor. And it's not like we've seen any. And I do mean any symptoms.
0: I know. Why is this an issue now of all things? But I mean, was he getting like those warranty robocalls or something? And he starts getting all freaked out. It's like. John Luke Picard, your warranty is expiring. To continue to have a heart and command a Galaxy-class starship,
1: please press one <laughs> now. And you know, can you imagine that was like coming through on the bridge, and and Warf's <laughs> yeah. like, enough! jean Luke, no more of these. They're driving me mad.
0: What of all the things? I mean, it's so weird. You have a ship where a man has a visor to cover up the fact that, that or to commentate for the fact that he has it doesn't have eyesight. Okay, right. now that seems like something you would feel more sheepish about right. than an artificial heart, simply because it's external, it's obvious, and it really affects your, the day-to-day interactions between you and and other members of the crew and the ship. No one's going to sit there and say, you can't sit in that chair and pull your shirt down because you have an artificial heart.
1: He doesn't want to have an unfortunate nickname as Captain Cardiac. Uh, Geordie, Geordie, come here, come here. Sit down here with me and Data. Like, I wouldn't mind sharing stories about our artificial parts. What do you think, <laughs> Mr. Data? I've got a heart. He's got the, the banana clip. And you've got the whole damn thing.
0: It's a perfect example. Data's got an artificial heart. What's the problem? Right. He's like, yo, Captain Picard, I'm starting to feel attacked here. I'm starting to feel like you're dissing my whole
1: android thing. The, I think what we're supposed to assume by what they don't tell us is, is that his artificial heart is just as good as a regular heart. I, except for the fact that whatever is happening in this episode is happening, that he's supposed to be able to function just like a regular old dude. Also,
0: his this, this thing with
1: Pulaski. And I thought
0: that they had arrived at a certain level of respect and understanding over the last few episodes, especially right. on Natural Selection when she was was aged. And remember the episode ends and they're hugging and they have found some sort of equilibrium. She actually gets one of those Picard hugs. They're really rare. Well, because he, he doesn't have a real heart. He doesn't have feelings. And, of course, due to really poor writing, she ends up being the only person who can save him anyway. So what he's done here is he's absolutely put everyone
1: in danger, including himself. No, no. By being arrogant. I think what they're not getting through is that this makes him look weak. And he kind of admits that. They just kind of dance around in the way that they resolve it. I, I guess it's that he's having this procedure and that makes him seem weak. But he went through the procedure by the end of it and made it out, and he's alive at the end. So it's like, okay, doesn't that? But people with
0: artificial hearts aren't necessarily weaker than other people.
1: Well, but this I... is a this is a future artificial heart too. On it's top that... of everything, yeah. I, I don't. I think it's that he feels vulnerable that he's going to have this procedure done and. I guess that's what oh, it is. Please. They're not really, you know, he's worried about it. Uh, he expresses to Wesley. So he and Wesley uh, spent a lot of time in the shuttlecraft where the, some of this information is being revealed to us. And he is actually worried about the small percent of a risk there 2. is
0: with 2.4. fatality rate. Right. 2.4%. 2. 2. I mean, give me a break. And Wesley's he's, like,
1: but but what's the fatality rate of galaxy-class starships? We've seen like three of them <laughs> right. explode. It's way more dangerous, Captain Picard, to be flying around with you than it is to get any of these procedures done. Yes, we've seen like three of these ships,
0: and then two of them have exploded. So you get two two out of three chance <laughs> right. that your ship's going to
1: explode. Well, not only that, but you know they just got cord last week. They yes. they had they've had uh, you know we're on episode seventeen, and they've at least had half of those episodes full of entities. Uh, fudging around with the ship in outer space and threatening everybody's life, right? So it's pretty damn dangerous out there in the galaxy.
0: Yeah, so two point four percent. I I don't I don't buy that, but right. it's also irresponsible because I I really think he does put the ship and the crew at risk because the packlids are out there, right? And they're laying laying in wait. Well, because that's one of the points that I they know. make when they go to answer the mayday. They say, well, right. you know, this is going to take us farther away from the shuttle. And Riker's like, yeah, I know. It should be okay. But the captain's out there with Wes and that stupid shuttle.
1: It's it's actually really funny. I laughed out loud because they don't just go to the Starbase 515, right? Or 515. Right. Or 51.5.
0: Starbase 73. Remember Starbase 70. 73?
1: Stop it. That's how you say it in the future. Instead of dropping them off or instead of using uh, what what they used in Schizoid Man near warp transport and that's the one where they were going to drop people off really fast to go deal with this uh his last name is graves, graves. yes and and deanna's like hey may, wait hold on a second i'm a little nervous about just getting thrown off in a transport blast and 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 riker's like uh never mind baby come on let's do this thing <laughs> it'll be a wild ride sister well you know You've what You never what, had th- anything like a near warp transport, had you? Why don't you put that in your mind? Let's put that in your pubis belt. Right. That's where she lost that bikini. They prove <laughs>
0: that the Enterprise is able to get there very quickly because it's I like know. Rikers or Picard's gonna die unless they get Pulaski there. They get Pulaski there like that. Right? They're able to travel at warp nine. Come on! It can't be... It's so stupid. I'm just going to sit there for
1: six hours in the shuttle and eat sandwiches and read books (laughs) with the boy. What would be the slowest way I could get to the Starbase and the most torture? I have to sit in there for six hours with Wesley Crusher, Captain's Log. Oh, my God. This is going to be a long one. Remember in
0: in Star Trek, the motion picture, the very first one where, where Spock puts on that weird space suit and go shooting into V'ger. Why don't they just strap... Ricard into one of those and just let him jet his way across. It'll take like 3 weeks to get there. It just it doesn't make any sense. And he well, brings like three hardback books on top of everything.
1: Know. You know, like it's, it's going to be 6 hours here. Are you speed reading? What is what is with you? I thought it was because of the long hospital stay, but yeah, you're right. It, when I realized how long that shuttle ride was, it makes sense. The drama works to have the two of them in the shuttle together and it's it's a way of confining them and making him answer questions from wesley and so i like that but they could have had a, a, a more reasonable reason for them to do it you have to set aside all
0: logic you have to pretend like you know nothing about this show for it to make sense for them to to use the goddamn shuttlecraft
1: no but but they could like say this uh, wesley's going to go be tested and picard says hey you know what i'd like to see the way you uh, operate the shuttle, young crush, and then they they fly that. I mean, that, I would have believed that they fly there,
0: but they don't. He doesn't even have to fly the fucking I know, thing because I at know one that point when problem. they have the sandwiches, he Ooh. just like hits a button and the thing just flies. Also and we- probably- <laughs> He's not doing anything. They don't even turn, like, a radio on or something. Like, Picard's not like, you know, oh, I'd like to listen to that TNG's podcast. Can you put that on while we're going? (laughs) You mean the one that promises never to
1: make fun of me? (laughs) i know it is funny it's like things fly by themselves in space and i i mean i guess it was a way of not having another operator in there listening to their conversation that's what i mean about the details a little techno detail could have shown somebody pushing a button that said autopilot or something like that you get a sense that that's what's happening it seems a little silly but even the drama of it so so yes i agree with you i like the fact that west
0: and 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 Jean luc have a chance to talk a little bit but the talk Okay, so, so Wes is, like, all freaked out. Oh, the captain's going to be on the shuttle. What am I going to talk to him about for six hours? And Sonya and, and and Jordy are just like, oh, man, dude, you can talk to him about a bunch of stuff. There's so many things. Demonstrating his complete lack of emotional intelligence, he's just like, right. how come you don't have any kids? How come you're not married? <laughs> I know. It's just he's like, the- Jesus Christ, you don't even want to start with, like, you know...
1: Hey, what you reading? I mean, I kind of think he's taking some lessons from data or something because he just he has a really tough skin. We saw him a couple episodes uh, with Worf yelling at him, and he's just kind of okay, whatever. Klingons yell at me, Picard yells at me, I I I can take it.
0: Oh, that's okay. So maybe he's just a nerd. He's a nerd to abuse, and he no. But maybe. But but honest to God, it's like I'm scared of Captain Picard. I, I don't know what to say to him. Captain
1: McCard, do you
0: dress to the left?
1: <laughs> what I like is, yeah, I mean, I, I remember being nervous, a nervous kid, I mean, around adults, and you know what I decided to do was say nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know you what? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm going to play sensors all the way to the space station. If it takes six hours, I'm going to do it. But I'm certainly not going to start with, like, you know, Captain Picard, have you ever made love to a woman? <laughs> What's it like? <laughs> the writing for his lines are just so tone deaf. It's like, uh, cat uh, to Picard. I was just wondering, just, uh, I, I know you don't want me to ask you any more questions, but just one more. I've got this one. Listen, listen, I was thinking I was a baby and my mom was holding me at my dad's funeral. All right. And I was just, and I was wondering when you were at my dad's funeral, did you look over at me as a little baby and see me there? Did you, did you, did we like lock eyes at my dad's funeral? I mean, what was it, what was it like to go to my dad's funeral after you accidentally had to kill him? Yeah. Remember when you killed my dad? Can we talk about that some more? You know, I, this might be a touchy subject, but once I had a dad and then I didn't, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? And, you know, now my my mom's left and I'm kind of, you know,
0: I'm kind of in the market for some parents. And I was just wondering, since you had never been a dad or anything, that maybe... You know, you'd be a good father. You know, that's what I think. I mean, I'm just saying if you would interested in the job, you'd be really good at it. So, you know, if you knew someone who needed a dad because his dad died because of you, maybe you could step up. Yeah,
1: uh, Captain Picard, how do you make these sandwiches? <laughs> uh, Captain Picard, do you feel awkward commanding a galaxy class vessel and then going into the kitchen before the trip and trimming the sandwiches? I'm so fucking freaked out by these sandwiches.
0: Because it's so fucking weird, and I know we talked when we talked about uh, Matter of Honor. We talked about how cool it was that you know they were using food and we're getting to see them eat. As As Riker yes. was tasting the Klingon food, and we saw him and the Klingons and the Klingon mess eating together, right. and we were all excited mm-hmm. about that. And this is nice; they're they're sitting down having some lunch together, and it's totally normal. Except it's not those sandwiches. They're the tiniest fucking sandwiches. I know. <laughs> and then Picard acts like he's never eaten a sandwich in his life. He holds it with two hands and he's nibbling at it like a fucking hamster. <laughs> and, he's like, and then he starts talking with his mouth full. It's like, uh, hello, Wesley, it's important to be
1: disciplined as a thought off officer. <coughs> as a thought feed officer. Let let me tell you a story, Wesley. Sit sit back, sit back, listen. Let me tell you how I got my artificial heart. It has something to do with these sandwiches. I, I, I make them so small and I accidentally stuffed like six or seven into my mouth all at once. I choked. I choked and it was it was it was like a heimlich maneuver gone bad. <laughs> Well, no why more does he hot! Hold them? Why does
0: he hold them with two hands like he's a hamster with a nibble log? I he's don't so, understand. He's
1: so, Patrick Stewart is just so careful with this character. I just think, I think it's a I think it's a character tick that he, he built into. Like, well, how would Picard eat? He'd be so neat and careful.
0: But that's not neat. That's just creepy. I mean, just, it's a damn sandwich. And are their, their crusts are removed, right?
1: Yeah, it's like, I don't know if you've ever gone to tea anywhere, but it's like those little finger sandwiches. They, they give you a tea, and you're always like, this is it? I mean, I need, like, ten of these. Please. I actually
0: did go to tea once uh, and and never again.
1: They're not going to tea.
0: First of all, they're drinking coffee. Second right. of all, they're on the shuttle for six hours. You know, get a hoagie. Get a footlong. <laughs> stop, at, stop at Starbase Subway or something. And get a spicy Italian I mean why do they have to have? It's the stupidest <laughs> fucking little thing and did Patrick Stewart make those for the show? He's like,
1: listen, we're gonna be shooting a long time. Do you mind if I make some sandwiches? I know maybe that was his thing though like would anybody behind the scenes he would bring everybody little sandwiches would anyone would any um lieutenant Gomez Lycia <laughs> I, I, I have a going away present for you. I've made you one of my famous little sandwiches. <laughs> Take it with you. Thanks. I'm I'm going back to fame yeah. now. Thanks a lot, Star Trek. You really <laughs> screwed my career. But I, I just wish they
0: would just not eat food if this is I, how I, they're gonna I, eat it.
1: I, 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 I know you have to it's funny because Wesley actually fake eats in that same scene. Yes, so Wesley yes, yes, does yes. like stage eating where he's like where they cut to him and he's like, I'm finishing. He's like, chomp, yeah. chomp, 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 gulp. And then he, and then, you know, it's not, you know, nothing, nothing's in his mouth, of course. So, you know, he wasn't really eating. It's just a right. funny, it's funny to see Patrick Stewart playing against this kid who's, you know, pretend eating and Patrick's like, I'll eat the thing. I'm, I'm pretty famished anyways. Go ahead. But shoot the, and me. That, and that Picard only has coffee. The best part of waking up, Wes, is Folgers in your cup. Well, the other thing
0: that I like about this this scene, again, Wes's lack of emotional intelligence, is like Picard at some point gets up and goes to the back, right? I mean, first of all, he brought the three books. (laughs) So I could sit here and quietly read, Wesley, get it? I'm going to sit here and quietly read. That's signal number one. Now I'm going to physically get
1: up and go to the back. It'd be funny if there's a back room, like a door back there. And just like rolls the window up. It'd be funny if he went like Picard closes the door and the door opens up. <laughs> I, I, I had one more question for you, Captain. <laughs>
0: I, I I find the packlets so offensive. It's hard for me to talk about them.
1: Well, yeah, I, I mean it's weird. It's a weird portrayal. It's weird to, c- because because the idea with the packlets is they're not as advanced as the people from the Federation. Okay, the way they portray them is not appropriate.
0: Well, they're supposed to be... They, they, they even say, like Riker even says, they're slow. And they're supposed to be slow and inept. And they have language problems. And... Right. It, it, the way they're built, they're supposed to look like a Tweedledee, Tweedledum type character. Right. But it just... I don't know. I'm very,
1: I'm very uncomfortable with it. There's nothing positive about them, so they're... They're kind of representing people with intellectual disabilities in a way that isn't really cool. I mean, you don't see anybody else represented in Starfleet like that. So I guess it's like these are sort of like cavemen era. It's like cave- Barney and Fred and the Flintstones take over the Great Gazoo spaceship and go flying it around the universe. It's a funny idea. These uh, aliens, I mean, they're all these really big guys. So maybe they just overpower whoever they're coming into contact with because they're big old cavemen and they're, you know, using brute force. But it just it just it's a weird way to evolve. It's a it's a weird adaptation.
0: Again, it's an interesting idea. And it's it's executed so
1: poorly. We've talked about how Warf
0: is always wrong. And here we have a situation where Worf is actually right. He's like, uh, I don't think you should just take these people at, at face right. value. I don't think you should underestimate them. I think we should have the shields up. I don't think we need to be sending Jordy over. And that is a huge question. It's like, why the hell would you send your chief engineer? Especially when you have old Sonia Gomez here in her last appearance. You could send her over. Where's Leland T. Lynch or any of these other engineering folk that you could send over to fix this stuff?
1: Why would
0: you send Jordy?
1: Are you doing anything right now, Jordy? Would you mind going over there? This is Riker. He's like, last time I looked at my script, you had one of the uh, title names on the front page.
0: Yeah, you were, you were one of the lead actors in this ensemble. Again, you were arguably the most famous
1: actor in this ensemble. You know, I always saw the show in the first couple seasons as like, wow, wow Lavar Burton's the big star. And I, I viewed him that way, And it's and it's... Interesting to look at it in this retrospective right. way because now you know that you know Patrick Stewart had became this huge thing off of that show and you know, and not that LeVar Burton's done all this other work and he's you know, he's totally a, a working actor who's done a ton of stuff, but he's he didn't reach that level of Jean Luc's stature and I, I was surprised that he wasn't the captain at the beginning of the show, I guess.
0: Yeah, and and, and he's he's been underused. Agreed. So just the fact that he's front and center in this particular, even though he is a hostage, even though he's helpless, yeah. even though he's getting shot two or three times,
1: a couple times, yeah. But but Riker but, but, takes so little care
0: of him that he's just like, yeah, we'll send him over to these strange aliens we've never met before. I'm sure it's
1: fine, right? Well, let's let's explain this part because I think it's getting lost. The the snare part is that these Packlids kind of they set a trap and they pretend. Like they're not very intelligent, but they actually aren't. And they trick larger ships to come on. And then they, w- through brute strength, capture somebody, steal their tech, and then uh, supposedly kill them, I guess, or dump them in space somewhere and then move on to the next ship. This is their way of doing business around the galaxy. And so Jordy goes over there to fix something that they say is broken. Once he fixes it, I, and I don't think it really was broken, once he he thinks right, he right. fixes it's it not then, then they it's not broken, they trap him, and then they want him to make things for them based on enterprise tech right they want they want to go
0: faster, they want to be stronger, they want to have more power. but this idea that the federation has all this life transforming tech that they guard, and for good reason i right. mean here's the prime directive making a lot of sense. You can't just hand this tech to these to, to people who aren't ready for it as a society. And here the pack lids are like, uh, I don't think that's cool. We're just going to steal what we need in order <laughs> to to gain some parity, right. right? Because you're right. not helping us, we feel dispossessed. Whatever their reasoning is, it's not really clear. Other than yeah. you know, because of their their characterization is so
1: awful. Well, that's the part that's so distracting in it. And they've done this a number of times on this show. Instead of going a little subtle, it goes so far over the top that it spins into. Offensiveness, And I and I got to believe at the time this, I mean, it, it certainly wouldn't play like it plays a day, but it, it, I, I could see it offending people and confusing people. But what if these people were just people and they weren't not smart enough to figure out how to act? Yeah, I know what you... Okay, so in symbiosis, we had a group of
0: folks who were clearly drug addicts, right? And that made them incapable, we were meant to believe, they were incapable right. of actually maintaining their tech so the enterprise had to help them here we have a situation where we're that these folks are we're supposed to believe can't maintain their tech because they are not intellectually capable of maintaining their tech and the question never comes out like well how did you get out here in the first place the question is never raised like you know wait a minute if you have this tech you're obviously able to use it enough to get out into space Right, but now you can't keep it going, and it's not like they're drug addicts as they were on, on in symbiosis. So that question is never raised. That's one huge plot hole. The plot hole about sending Geordi over is another one that Worf actually has to come out and say, "Why are you sending Geordi?" And Riker's just like, "Well." Jordy sure is going to help him. That's just how that is, you (laughs) know. know? And and it's lazy writing. It feels really lazy, and
1: it feels really sloppy. It's so easily solvable by a little more dialogue or something, or just a little more scene building. Like, what if Geordi went over with you know Sonia or with um, some other people, and they get killed or something, so that it makes a little more sense. That you know, why would you send him by himself? I I mean, if it was the old show, the the original series and Worf was on the Enterprise with Captain Kirk, You know, they would have sent Worf and Kirk together, right, and they would right. have dealt with this. Worf would have tried to fight these guys, and maybe they're stronger than him, and they zap him, put him in a prison cell or something, and he's got to figure out a way to get off of the ship and save Geordi. Wouldn't that be exciting?
0: There's a simple solution actually embedded in the episode. Pulaski's right. the only one who can save Picard, because she's the only one that knows how this heart thing works in the region. What if Jordy understands, like, an obscure piece of the tech on that ship and says, listen, I can go over there and fix that because I know it. I'm sure none of my other crew know it. I just happen to know it. I mean, there's a number of ways to write your way out of it, but it was just like they were writing it, and they're like, you know, it really doesn't make sense for Jordy to go over there now that I think about it. Well, just have Wharf bring it up. It'll be fine.
1: And I think that is really the, the kind of pace of the writing that's going on on this show is not being able to double-check the sense sometimes. I mean, a lot of times this show works really, really well, and they do cover these things, and there's an explanation. But sometimes it's just this stuff that so easily could be explained very simply. And, and then again, it would have been nice if there was a little more action. I mean, it was so send over a couple security guards with Jordy, and they get killed yeah, over there. Yeah, duke it out. And, not, and I'm not, you know, everybody, I'm not saying you really kill them, like the actors don't have to die. They just go over and <laughs> pretend to be killed. Okay, thank you for, clar- thank you for clarifying that. As soon as I feel the show, I, I can't understand why they, the, these shows, when you watch them, they're rated PG-13, okay? So yeah. you can actually pretend kill some people on the show and have the threat of danger go up. It doesn't mean that you're pro violence to have that happen if Starfleet's not killing people. That that I mean that's the way I see it. I mean, that's my little Star Trek soapbox I like to stand on. Thank
0: you. Thank you for that. I think you've taken a very noble stand. But the I, thing with
1: wh- why they didn't send Sonya? I mean this is Sonya's
0: Sonya Gomez? This is her last episode. They they could have like sent her over. Then got, and they're like, uh-oh, they've taken her hostage. Then they get the alert that Picard, and they're like, well, Sonya, it's your last episode. Uh, ha- have fun being a pack-led, and then just take off. Catch you on the flip side. Yeah, see on Mars later on there, Sonya. Because it's just ridiculous. It's just like send someone over. Listen, if you
1: are red shit, you would have been killed. This
0: way, at least you get right, to live right. among the
1: pack-led. Hold on, hold on. I've got an idea. Rika Riker. Riker. Is that chick who works in engineering who spilled the hot chocolate on me still on board? (laughs) Why,
0: yes, Captain, she is, Sonia Gomez. I'm thinking of asking her out later.
1: What what do you think about sending her over? But Riker also ignores
0: Troy, right? Because Troy comes in and says he's in great danger. And instead of him reacting to
1: that, he's like, huh, you don't say. Riker is now the captain of this ship and he's commanding it and we're getting to see what it would be like if Riker and Troy actually worked together this thing that they that they're somehow forbidden to do and for whatever reason you could see like what would Riker do as captain and how would he utilize Troy and what he does is exactly what the what Picard does which is ignore her she comes in and says great
0: she says it twice he's in great danger he's in great danger and they're like yeah huh no kidding
1: so you wanted to say more about Lycia Naf? So Lycia Neff is Ensign Sonia Gomez, and she was introduced last episode in Q Who, the Borg episode. Q Who. And we talked a lot about Lycia last time. She was supposed to be a reoccurring character and a possible love interest for Geordi. And the first episode, she was kind of criticized for being a little uh, ditzy, a little goofy she spilled some hot chocolate on Jean-Luc if you remember yes this episode she's a little toned down she's a little more serious and I gotta tell you I like this actor and I think she was doing a great job I was kind of sad to see that she doesn't come back
0: yeah I agree more strong more interesting female characters definitely needed on this show and it's not going to happen and we know it's not going to happen so we just look back on it wistfully and like I said, she shows up on lower decks.
1: Yeah, yeah, she she becomes a pretend captain. They're all pretend captains, Dave. Some of them have been up for... Academy Awards and won Grammys. Hello? I always wonder about actors. I don't know if this derailed her career, if this was the thing, because she was working. She was really hustling around Hollywood at this point. She was in a lot of stuff. And you just think about these people that make it big, you know, that that get this lucky. Everybody on the show is super talented. Patrick yeah. Stewart mm-hmm. is this huge talent. And, and this guy has been knocking around showbiz for you know, probably oh, sure. yeah, yeah, thirty five yeah. years at this point, and 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 look at this like he gets the the winning ticket. It's just interesting to see somebody like like C N F, and she went on and did other things. But I think she could have been something bigger, and you just wonder wh- who got cast in something that she didn't get cast in, or what right, show did right, she get right. not get to continue on in, and right. and all these all these alternate paths that go around, and then you see some of these actors who are you know excellent actors and then some people that you look at and go like how did that guy make it like how's th-
0: what the, but the perfect example of this is the guy who plays the surgeon on this episode daniel benzali who right. is, was the lead in murder one that Stephen bochco thing right and he was he's fantastic he's amazing and who knows right. what
1: happened to the dude I haven't seen him in so long. I don't know what he's doing now, but he was great. And he, he was a character actor. He did a lot of different parts and he always seemed to bring a lot of something to, to his parts.
0: And apparently he was a theater actor, Royal Shakespeare company in great Britain. The guy's got so much talent and he's so great. And he's so compelling in that murder one show.
1: Look at somebody like, Brian Cranston for instance and he, and he does have the yes. same kind of yes. trajectory as somebody like Patrick Stewart where even though Brian, yeah, Brian Cramps even though Brian Cranston Brian Krampstein. was he was a little more v- visible in Hollywood he was doing all kinds of shows for a long time but when he f- gets the breaking bad role, this is the thing that skyrockets him to the very top of Hollywood. And and of course, he deserves it. The guy is excellent. I'm not trying to compare him to actors that I can't understand why they're in a thing. He right. is excellent. And I'm saying, like, somebody like Lycia Naf, like, what happened? You know, why isn't she starring in movies still? Let's let's be sensitive enough to understand that we are comparing male and female actors, especially back in 1989. It's a lot harder for the Lycia Nafs to get roles. And as, right. as she's done some interviews and she's complained about always being cast as stereotypical uh, Hispanic characters at that time. And so I think she got sick of it after a while and went on to do a different career.
0: I don't blame her if that is the case. Point is, I wish she was in more
1: of it. I do want to say
0: something about the end of this whole Paclitz story because they come up with a ruse. Oh, a clever ruse to get Jordy out.
1: (laughs) We tricked you guys, man.
0: I showed you I was actually... Smarter, after all, I'm I'm Commander Riker, and I was actually smarter.
1: These guys play it in the stereotype of somebody who is not intellectually at the same level as the Enterprise crew. There's not a reveal where they go, hey, we were just kidding. We were putting that on, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everybody buys that routine.
0: But Riker uses a
1: ruse,
0: and they come up with this crimson force field business. But the idea is that George is giving them photon torpedoes, And that totally took me out of the show, too, because I'm like, well, how do you just make a photon torpedo launcher?
1: I guess replicating them, because he says you have replicators, and I think it's implied. I got to tell you, I was so confused by this part of it. I just didn't understand what was happening. I I got the gist of it, and then it was like, you know what? That's enough. That's enough for me. I I, I get what they're trying to do, but... He's over there making weapons for them and I guess it's a photon torpedo which I didn't totally understand. I, I like the idea of it but I didn't I couldn't get the clues. I hope Jordi right. understands this cuz I sure shit don't. <laughs> it's
0: another case just like it's been a lot of this this season where we're supposed to have this drama that's not really, you know, very dramatic because we know it's going to be resolved.
1: Do you remember a Star Trek 2 when they were caught down on the the Genesis Experiment Moon? Spock is up on the ship, and Shatner, I mean, Kirk is trying to... He knows he's being monitored by Khan, and so he gives a code... To Spock above, and he says, "I think he says if hours were days, okay, so that's right, the solution to right, the code." Right. And I know it's obvious, but I remember being, you know, twelve, going, "Hey, that's pretty cool," because you don't right. catch it until later on. And Spock, when he's they beam Jim up, and and he has to explain it to McCoy, and, and no, he explains it to uh, He 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 solves it for us on the ship, and it was nicely done, very very clear. This is the other res- resolution
0: is this bit of surgery. Now, you knew that there were going to be complications of surgery. You knew that. I if you know. didn't know that going in, you haven't been watching a lot of television. I mean, because they start spouting all this fake pseudoscience stuff. And my favorite moment is when Daniel Benzali sits there and says, Get a biomolecular physiologist in here. This man is dying. And you're like, what (laughs) the? Get a, do a what now?
1: What is it? A bio what? A
0: A biomolecular physiologist.
1: I'm not a biomolecular physiologist, but I play one on TV. (laughs) Remember those (laughs) commercials? it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a biomolecular physiologist. Bones, I don't understand.
0: They have that little square plastic thing (laughs) on his head to put him to sleep. They have the giant space vibrator that they shoot lights with why
1: someone thought that that was a good idea just have a giant light-up space dildo the whole set was really weird the 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 medical staff is all garbed in these red outfits all red onesies it's a little scary it reminded me of the david cronenberg movie do you remember that one yeah dead ringers yeah and he would operate with this well, with his brother, they would right. operate and do these surgeries with um, all this red gear on. I, I think this is—I think this predates that that movie, though. Yeah, Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons together at last. Yeah, it's a great
0: movie. I always had a theory that Jeremy Irons—it did something to him. That movie really messed him up. And when he uh, got his Academy Award for playing Klaus von Bülow, right, um, he thanks Cronenberg. And he's like, you know, uh reasons I can't explain, I think I have Cronenberg.
1: I mean, it, it's it was interesting because I remember that role was the next year and a lot of people felt like he deserved the Dead Ringers role. But they sure. just Cronenberg was such an outsider at that time and the movie's pretty disturbing and, and I just the Academy you could just see people just couldn't get their minds around that movie and right. and so when he plays Klaus Van Bulo, and he's good at that, it's definitely not like playing a double against yourself right. and right. you know in a Cronenberg movie I'm I'm a Cronenberg fan what's interesting though is that they're there I don't know if you've seen this uh, and they've remade the movie Cronenberg's producing it as a series oh no I didn't see that that's great I can't wait to see that Rachel Wise uh plays the role of Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons
0: so 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 the surgery goes wrong they're shooting weird lasers at him it of course, the only person they can get is Pulaski. And she gets there right. in in a blink of an eye, proving once again they didn't need to go on the shuttle, proving again that he shouldn't have left the Enterprise, proving again, proving again, proving again. Remember when we found out, I think it was in Unnatural Selection, that Pulaski was a bit of a Picard stalker? Right? Yeah. I mean, she had all this information about him and yeah, she was a fan of his and admires him but but she says she says to him you are not a commonplace man you'll be out of recovery in four hours yeah she she's still that, the captain do you feel invincible. like you feel like that's
1: flirty is that what you said i don't know there was something flirty about it oh really i i just i couldn't figure out how they were playing that maybe I that's how it was, how a was. Little flirty. i was just confused I, by those scenes it was uh, i mean i don't know this whole episode confused me i feel like it kind of misfired in weird ways I couldn't tell where the tension was supposed to be. It it was strange. And by the end of the episode, you know, he isn't really any different than he was in the beginning. I mean, he doesn't seem to have learned anything from this experience. He's still, you know, the crew applauds him when he comes in, and he's miffed about that. It's not like, thank thank you, everyone, for caring. I I didn't know you cared if I lived or died, but I appreciate it. And then his... And when he does his out, you know, his, his, you know, uh, on to, on I can't remember. I wrote down the line, but, you know, he gets into the chair and he's like more commanding than ever. Get ready. fourth uh, Riker, fourth star to the left. Engage. Right, right,
0: right. Star Trek, the next generation. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Star so Trek, long, the next Sonya. Generation. Tune in next time for more show. I feel like we've done so much work on this.
1: It's, it's, it's I'm going to go off right now and get me some little cucumber sandwiches. I'm hungry. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack,
0: led. As always, thank you for listening to us growls and growls and growls.
1: Next up is, oh, next up is, I'm just having going to tell you, it is a great, great episode. I mean, the thing is, I, I started watching it, and, and it's funny. It looks like... Uh, Worf's got a bad case of the runs as it <laughs> begins so we <laughs> have to see what's happening <laughs> he's like what a way to it's so funny he's like what a way to open an episode he's like his tummy is grumbling and he's like oh, oh something's oh, wrong oh <laughs> oh and then you come in and you find Michael Dorn he's on the floor down there thank you everyone for joining us on ST. TNGs, not another Star Trek podcast.
0: Ugh, again with a Star Trek podcast.
1: I am Commander Dave E. Dave.
0: And I'm Ambassador Andrew. Let's go
1: mind the store.
0: <sighs> glad that's over. I was feeling a little uh, claustrophobic, like being stuck in a shellcraft for five hours with only a teenage ensign to talk to. Ugh. But our next episode, we have something to get excited about, right? The acknowledgement that the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. That what might be right for you may not be right for some. Oh, wait. The next episode is up the long ladder. But hey, there's Klingon love poetry. The blood of my enemy doth flow on my hands. It inflames my Klingon (laughs) glands.
1: That's where I was going. Thank you.
0: That's for you, yep, yep, yep. yep. Oh, danger? Don't forget danger.
1: There is a sense of danger that everybody that isn't on the show seems to be aware of.
0: And number one gets to play Zap-Ass again.
1: We haven't seen Riker get zapped all season. (laughs)
0: Zap-Ass? What the fuck is Zap-Ass? He
1: still has it, man. He still has that skill because he gets zapped and he's got this great look on his face like, I remember it, man. Oh, not this again.
0: Join us for Up the Long Ladder, Season 2, Episode 18 of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Captain McCarr, do you dress to the left?